Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, we concluded our last conversation about some of the parables that Jesus had discussed. The mustard seed, the soil, and the wheat. And we were talking particularly about the soil, about how to grow and to make yourself better, you need to have commitment. And one of the things that holds people back from staying committed for the long term is inevitably there's going to be a hardship. You know, the old analogy is a bump in a road. There's going to be something that's not ideal that we didn't want to go through. And I think that this is a symptom of, uh, of maybe some would argue inevitability that as our economic society is based upon growing upon the improvements of the generation before and the generation before, inevitably someone was going to come up with some ideas to make our lives more comfortable, um, starting within industry, then eventually within all of our personal homes. So if we think to our grandparents or great-grandparents, they probably didn't have central heating and central air conditioning. You know, they didn't have the ability to build um, houses that were very large because you were heating them literally with fires that from trees you had to cut down. So if you made a house that was so large, you wouldn't really be able to heat it up and keep the heat in. So the concept of just having larger properties, um, internal heating, you know, the water's not going to come fall to the roof. All of these things that we essentially take for granted in the big one, electricity and plumbing, um, that we just take for granted that really didn't exist four or five generations ago has led to a life where there are less hardships. There is no fear in America that your water is going to give you a disease. You know, there is no, there's no lifetime struggles that, you know, you see around us. And if there are, very quickly, literally someone invents a pill to fix it. So with that being said, the relationship we have in our upbringings about being accustomed to hardship is very different. And then somewhere along the lines, we had parents who didn't want to see their kids ever strike out or have something bad happen to them. And then this concept of helicopter parent came in and participation trophies and, and that whole nine yards that you can go into. But the concept of being allowed to fail has really kind of left the, left the ballpark until you enter essentially the workforce. And many people are uh, delaying that feature as well. So I wanted to discuss the fact that as much as we can make life easier, as much as you and I are sitting in air-conditioned rooms right now with the power of electricity making life work and obviously all this technology can do some great things we have to recognize that hardships are important because inevitably there will be conflict in life period and if we don't have this muscle hardship of being able to say all right i had this problem before i overcame it you won't really know when you see something that's minor to be able to identify oh that's nothing or oh that's actually something because you have no frame of reference. So I wanted to, to have this conversation here because I think that it applies a lot on the negative causes to what we see when we discuss problems of people not having deep roots, people not being able to fight off the thorns. And I want to be able to give you the platform to, to help us through this. 
Yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Joe. It's a great reflection for us, uh, for, for all of us, that what, what are the hardships in life? How do I, how have I been insulated from those? How do I insulate others from those? What's right about that? What isn't? You know, obviously, we don't want to inflict suffering on people. <laughs> so that's a, that's a real basic thing, nor do we want to uh, endure suffering ourselves. And so it's one of these things that you have to find a, a kind of middle ground. It's not like you can ramp it up, you know, as much suffering as possible. <laughs> it's like, well, no, taking it to the extreme is not the goal uh, and inflicting suffering on ourselves is not the goal. On the other hand, absolutely no suffering at all. Well, first of all, it's, that's impossible. Um, and it's and it's a delusion. And in fact, the pursuit of that will lead us to more suffering for the reasons that you just described and uh, because it will end up leading us to sacrifice other people. We'll start to justify that somebody else's suffering is is worth the price of preventing my suffering. You know, so um, this uh, we have to accept that suffering is a part of life. There's. I love uh, Jordan Peterson on this point. He really speaks so clearly about like, if there's one thing we know is real, it's suffering and it's not possible to get rid of it. Okay, so we have to deal with that fact. And then how do we deal with that for ourselves and for others? Really the only way we can deal with it is by having a sufficient reason to endure it, to overcome it, uh, to, to make our way through it. And that finding a sufficient reason really develops our humanity that uh, why, you know, I mean, to at a, at a basic level, why do I go through the suffering of doing my homework, of, you know, struggling through learning, of teaching myself skill or learning skills in education in order, well, we have at least uh, probably initially because, you know, mom and dad want it. And then it switches into like, well, mom and dad are happy about it and I get something back from that. And then maybe I start to develop some of my own goals. Well, I, I want to have a good job. I have some things I'm interested in. I, I want to be able to provide for myself. Maybe we even develop a goal like I have something that really matters for other people. Uh, I want to develop a cure for cancer. I want to uh, do something humanitarian, you know, so we we have different kinds of reasons that hold up to a certain degree. And as those things start to fall away, am I really going to develop a cure for cancer when I'm 75 or 80 years old? Or once I contract uh, terminal cancer myself, am I still going to develop a cure for cancer? You know, how how much do our reasons even hold up, even the most noble ones? And, and that's where the ultimate reason is our relationship with God, our love for God, our worship of him, making our lives a gift for him. Uh, now, I've, I've gone down a, a path here. I want to take a couple of steps back and address that question of, of suffering again, that uh, there is going to be suffering in life. And, and it, it can really refine us. It can be part of our offering. It's part of what helps us to develop virtue. Um, one of the things that's necessary for virtue is passion. Uh, the passions are, are part of what drive us. The passions are, uh, were, anyway, there's the, the word for passion has several meanings and that's because it has that kind of rich complexity. We talk about being passionate about something 
to be passionate about something, there's a certain kind of suffering that's involved with it. If you're passionate about football, you're willing to suffer for football, and you probably will. Uh, you're going to end up at a game and it's going to be rained on, you know, you're going to, you're going to be into your team and they're going to lose. You're going to, uh, you're going to make sacrifices. You know, if you're, if you're passionate about your bride, which is more noble than football, uh, you know, you're going to make sacrifices for her. So, so being passionate, having a zeal for something is going to go together with suffering. Suffering is going to purify and prove my passion, my commitments, my, uh, my love for someone, for something. So the the word passion is sort of helpful there. But I keep uh, I want to come back to this this image in terms of we were talking about knowing that others have to go through suffering, that we need to allow people to fail. We need to allow them to endure hardships. We can't do everything for them. And there's a there's a beautiful image of that in uh, caterpillars turning into butterflies. Of course, a caterpillar caterpillar spins a cocoon and it's encapsulated in the cocoon and then eventually when it's been totally transformed into a butterfly uh, structurally the wings have developed but they're still moist and they're still uh, kind of stuck to it and it's the very process as it starts to break out of the cocoon and it starts to struggle and it moves the wings and it slowly gets exposed to the air and the wings strengthen and it pushes out and it's able to use all of that to emerge from the cocoon. The very struggle is what makes it possible for the wings to fully strengthen and form so that it be, the butterfly can fly. And the temptation and maybe you did this as a child, Joe, and uh, probably some of our listeners did, is to see that struggle and want to cut the cocoon. Let me help you. And if that happens, the wings will never form and the butterfly will never fly. And that temptation to cut the cocoon, to do it for the person, is, is so common. Uh, I have power that I can use for you actually hinders your growth as you need to go through the struggle and to emerge. And I think that's especially true. You know, you mentioned helicopter parents and participation trophies. <laughs> so classic that we talk about those things. And uh, and certainly paying attention and being careful, you know, uh, absentee parents and latchkey children were kind of the opposite extreme of being totally separated, uh, throwing people to the wind and not caring whether they, you know, get a trophy ever. And, and get crushed by thinking that they're useless and worthless. You know, I mean, that's the opposite extreme. And so there's a, you know, a, an attempt to try and care for that in uh, those things, but not those, you know, we, we don't always do that in the best way. And instead, one of the things I've learned from Montessori methods of education is that uh, one of the realms of development is ages 12 to 18. And in that time period, a person, a young person is really a young adult. So they actually have all of the developmental pieces in them of an adult, and they want to start practicing being adults. And that's a great way to say it. They want to start practicing being adults. They need a practice field. They don't need, you know, the main show. And so having the adult present to, to help them is good, but let them lead. So if you were going to plan a trip, let your 13-year-old plan the trip and, and let them struggle against like, I don't know how to do this. I don't, I, who, do, who do I call or where do I look or what tools do I use or what do I need to think about? 
Now you don't just throw them to the to the wolves, let them plan the trip and then providing some help, either being accessible to some of the questions or uh, when they have some concern or they get hurt along the way, being present to kind of patch up the wounds and then shove them back in there and get back in the game. Uh, or to, to look at it and say, you know, you did a fantastic job. I think you might be missing one thing or whatever it is, but let them start practicing being adults. Just one example of, of how we can live this out in supporting others. And then likewise for ourselves, we have to keep committing ourselves. We have to start striving for goals that are noble enough that they can really sustain us through suffering. And again, the most noble goal is our pursuit of God, but that plays itself out in terms of the goals in this life. And so we need to be able to dream for ourselves a goal that's noble enough that it's worth suffering for. And then, uh, you know, but, but also that it's worth achieving. We maybe don't want to start with world hunger, uh, maybe just the hunger in our own neighborhood or maybe somewhere in between. Dreaming of solving world hunger is a, no, a great and noble goal. And then we need to find more immediate applications that we can start to work through and fail at and struggle with and get help with. And um, But we have to have something meaningful to strive for. As uh, Jordan Peterson says, take a burden. You know, ultimately we're pack animals and we're meant to just carry a weight. Uh, take on something, even if it's just cleaning your room. <laughs> so that's what he always says. Start with something that you can achieve, but ultimately toward the most noble goal you can think of and, and, uh, and can start to pursue. So out of there, in terms of that last point you're at is, is, we're better with those goals whenever they're kind of public and that they're often in terms of someone else. So going off of two analogies that, that we've made before in the sense of when you're looking at a football team in total, you're, there's going to be X amount of sacrifice that's going to happen regardless. Either you can have it before the season starts and working out and, and pushing yourself that way and sacrificing yourself physically to become stronger, become a better unit. Um, or you're going to have it through defeat and loss. You know, it, it's going to happen one way or the other. And I recall that many people were able to become much stronger and, and have much better rates of growing stronger when the workouts were at the team facility rather than just individually, like over the winter break or something like that. And then the other example that I thought of is actually the one you gave us a couple of episodes ago about your father about how he had to work out and keep himself strong for the sake of your mother. And that drive is even more strong than I don't want to let my teams down. This is, this is my, you know, my wife and my marriage. I don't want to let down. This is, this is essential. So having something for someone else is important. And the thought that I came from there is uh, I think an important feedback loop that I feel is, is not allowed anymore. And, and that's the concept of judgment. You know, we keep trying to say as a society, we're not allowed to judge each other. We're not allowed to, to point each, anything out in each other or criticize anyone. But if you're in, in a locker room and you see someone's not pushing themselves as hard as they can, and you ultimately know he's going to need to be your lead blocker, you know, in three months, and he's physically trying to not become strong enough, you, 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 there's a form of judgment that happens there. And, you know, in some cases it's more public than others, but 
it's it ultimately calls us to become better, to recognize why the importance of we have to do this. And I think that, yes, there's probably a technique to be able to effectively communicate judgment upon other people as you know uh, i'm sure that in many cases as you talked about the the one extreme of a lifestyle to another latchkey kids becoming helicopter parents well ultimately <laughs> somewhere there was a disconnect where neither one of them the two of them met in the middle and if there would be a way to communicate that from an outside party or within that it would ultimately would produce better fruit for the next generation so that they would be in the middle and just be able to stay there. So this concept that society keeps putting out that judging everyone is wrong and inherently evil, I think is, is flawed. Now, granted, it has to be based upon actions or at least, you know, ideas. I, I'm not saying just generically judge someone without having any intel or seeing the results of their labors or something like that. But I'm saying, you know, when we go through school, we get judged on every single test that we take. That's a judgment. Did you learn your science stuff or not? And this is how much of a grade we're giving you. That's, that's something we accept there. But somehow as we enter adulting and talking about things that develop our children and develop ultimately our you know, mental, emotional, and spiritual lives, um, we're not allowed to talk about that. And I think that that is something that we are missing as a society at large. I think it would help help this, you know, force the kid out from being in the air conditioning all day and actually go outside and, and feel the heat of the day and stuff like that. So again, I guess that that's not exactly the most popular topic in the world, but Something was telling me to, to bring that out and let you talk about it. Yeah. Well, I think uh, uh, just just with a little bit of nuance, you know, you gave the example of, you know, you've got somebody else on the team who's not performing well. And it's the judgment is you're not trying. Now, I don't actually know whether you're trying or not. Maybe you're sick, you know, somebody might have Lyme's disease, right? I mean, there may be other reasons. So that's the, the judging part that gets problematic or even sinful is when we judge motives. Uh, or, or when you get a bad grade on the exam and the teacher says, you didn't even study for this. You don't care about this class. That's, that's a judgment the teacher doesn't have any access to. The judgment the teacher can make is, you didn't do well on this exam. <laughs> you got the answers wrong. Uh, why is that would be a useful question. And then, uh, well, because I didn't try and I didn't spend any time studying. Okay, well, now I know. Uh, but I didn't know that until you told me. I can guess at things. I get to know people better and I start to recognize the way that their internal patterns went, wind up on the outside. Um, but uh, we have, uh, one of our monks has, uh, is, is partially dyslexic and really struggled in seminary. And it was very easy for his professors to say, you know, you're just not trying. You're involved in all these other things and you're not trying hard enough at your schoolwork. No, no, actually he was trying very hard. He was involved in many other things, but the problem was his effort didn't end up with the same kind of result as other people's effort did. So he was putting in more work than somebody else, but ending up with worse results, not because he wasn't trying. Anyway, so it's just uh, when we talk about uh, 
so when we talk about the the sin of judging, it's talking about uh, judging motivations, judging uh, like you knew better. Well, no, actually, I didn't know better. I didn't know we were supposed to do this. You know, uh, you should have known. Well, maybe, you know, anyway, uh, judging knowledge or judging uh, intent, motivation, that's where we leave that to God. But judging the external evidence is something that we have to do. You're absolutely right. The ball went over the line and it's a goal or it didn't. Those are realities. Uh, you kicked the ball that went over the line and it was a goal. Now, whether you realized you were kicking in a goal or whether you, you know, you fell and kicked the ball or whatever, you know, there may be other things going on. Some of that I can guess by the external. Um, and so one of the things, if you see somebody who's underperforming, you know, you could ask them, uh, you could also exhort them about how important they are for the team and how much the team will suffer and how you believe in them. You know, there are ways to build people up and to try and get some good stuff to the inside without necessarily uh, uh, making a judgment about what's happening inside first. And, and uh, I'll offer a little, I probably have used this image before because I like it so much and I think it's so illustrative. You know, if you saw a plant that was kind of growing crooked or it wasn't producing flowers and it was withering, yelling at it is probably not helpful. Propping it up with toothpicks or sticks or something is probably not helpful. Uh, what it needs is water. And the nice thing is, as long as it has enough uh, circulation, you can't really overwater it. I mean, you could really flood it. But anyway, for the most part, you can pour. You don't need to know exactly how much water it needs. Just water it. And then it knows what to do with that water. It sort of finds all of the right little leaves. You don't need to kind of spot water it, <laughs> find the leaves that are withering. You don't need to pick where it ought to have buds. Just water the roots. And the plant knows how to bring all that stuff up into the right place. And then sometimes there is some extra that needs to be pruned. Uh, or, you know, there are some things that need to be adjusted. Or sometimes the plant needs to be re restructured and pointed a different direction. Sometimes you do need to put a stick there and hold it up so that it doesn't bend off in the wrong direction or whatever. There are corrections that can be made that are really important and useful. But the plant needs to be strong enough to bear the corrections. And that's what water does to strengthen it. To bring all of that into the uh, human realm, water is love. And when we love people, that has a way of finding its, its nutrients into all of the right places in the person's life. And that's what tends to strengthen. And then we're in a position to correct, to prune, to uh, make adjustments in how somebody is carrying things out. Uh, but but water first, love first, build up first. And, and that's where we can do that especially well when we have a healthy relationship with someone, when they know our love for them, when they know that we're with them. We know, they know that we would never ask them to do something we wouldn't do ourselves. You know, those bonds of, of, of trust and love make it possible to then say, you're better than this. Come on, man, get in the game. We need you. Let's go. What are you struggling with? How can I help you? I'm with you. you know. And then we can really urge each other on, even to the point of suffering, even to the point of taking up the cross to martyrdom, 
because there's a there's a bond of love that's really strengthened in Christ. When we stay at a distance and we wag a finger, when we start pointing out problems and criticizing, when we make judgments about people's internal state, that's where we really can either crush on the one hand, or if the person's strong enough, at least we make an enemy. And that ultimately doesn't move us forward in the direction that we want to, to go in. So starting from, from the positive side there with obviously the water being the love, part of it was that they had to be strong enough internally already so that the stem can transfer the water across. And that does mean that it had to go through some hardships to, to complete your analogy there. And love does not mean preventing all hardships. In fact, actually, you can make the argument that love is presenting appropriate hardships at appropriate points in your life, um, which will vary as time goes on case by case. And it's actually necessary to have kids go down a, a bumpy road. Now, I'm not saying you teach the kid how to, uh, to learn how to ride a bike on a cobblestone road here, but at some point, it might be part of the, the game down the road. So... I definitely thank you for, for helping us with this, Father, and because and I think this is something that's important to all of our development as we move forward here in life. And we thank everyone for helping us grow as, as we're starting to get into some numbers that I never really thought were possible, but we're getting there, and it's all because of you guys helping us grow and increasing the, the word of mouth and helping us become more popular. So thank you guys very much, and we'll be with you again next week.